you we honor you we give you praise hallelujah well um joel and candace are in melbourne this week and been ministering down there and in bendigo and we still got people uh, around the world it's good to have barry home i know you've been home for a few weeks but he's often out and about around the world ministering the gospel and you know we really believe that this place and this house is called as an apostolic sending center and i want to see a whole movement of people rising up in the power of God and the love of God being sent out to go and take the good news of the gospel everywhere we go that we might be the light of the world hallelujah we are called to be the light of the world and it's it's exciting you know the police are actually telling us that uh, you guys going out on the street is making a difference which is so exciting hallelujah and uh so we have an incredible opportunity right now here in this nation to take the good news of the gospel we are legally able to share our faith on the streets and sadly in a lot of countries that's not possible but we are free to share the gospel and we need to work while there is day and it's daytime here in australia it's summertime here in australia wake up and realize that you actually have something that they want whether they know it or not they want to know the desire of the nations and you have the love of god so many people have no comprehension of the goodness the kindness of god and you have you have the answer living on the inside of you such as we have we're called to give amen hallelujah well, father we say thank you for today this is the day that you made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, I thank you that you are so kind. That you are the hope of the world. You are our light, our joy. You are our redeemer, and we give you glory. Father, we thank you. Fill us with the knowledge of your will. Father, you are the one that satisfies our souls. And Lord, we come to rest our head on your chest to say thank you, Father. that we are accepted in the beloved because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Lord, we're so grateful that we can call you Abba. Abba, Father. Thank you, Lord, that we can draw close to you and that you don't reject us. You don't tolerate us, but you adore us more than we're physically, emotionally or spiritually able to comprehend. So, Father, I ask that you would strengthen every one of us with might in our inner being, so that we truly can comprehend this incredible, glorious truth of Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. That we, being rooted and grounded in your love, may be able to comprehend the height and the depth and the width and the breadth, the love of God that passes knowledge, so that we'd be filled up to overflowing with all your fullness. Father, I thank you that you hear me. 
touch. I thank you for the wisdom and revelation of your spirit revealing who you are. You are love and you are good. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I want to share a few things with you today. Actually, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to talk to us a little bit about maintaining a tender conscience. You know, the tender uh, conscience is something that's a gift from God. He's given everybody. Everybody, when they're born, has a conscience. And we are called to protect and to guard our hearts. The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the wellsprings of life. Hallelujah. Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. And God wants us to walk in freedom, in truth, in peace, in joy. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14. It says this, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22 says this, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So when we come to God and we say, Lord, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he came, that he died and that he rose again. And that right now, as I have come to him and received him as the son of God, the one who has died in my place, we can be born again. And when we engage in faith with God and we enter into that born again experience where we're no longer sinners, we are no longer crooked natured, we become a new creation in Christ, we get the very nature of God. He comes and he cleanses our conscience from dead works. We actually enter into a place where there is peace and freedom. Hallelujah. Where you no longer have to walk around with guilt and shame and condemnation. Hallelujah. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This incredible love. When we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So in salvation, what happens is we exchange our sin and we turn from it. We repent. We recognize it. Oh, and we recognize that sin. Ah, I'm sorry. And we exchange it in faith and receive in exchange his forgiveness. And he cleanses our conscience as we engage our faith, we can believe that we are completely forgiven, that we are made new. Hallelujah. And we've got to walk by faith. The just shall live by faith. We've got to engage in the reality. I'm clean. I'm forgiven. And he gives us a new heart. So we no longer want that which we used to want. We no longer want to sin. When you've been born again and you're a follower of Jesus, you don't wake up thinking, how can I sin and, you know, um, still be okay? You don't think like that because it's not who you are anymore. You've become a new creation. The Spirit of God within you actually wants to do the right thing. 
And so we have the freedom when we recognize, oh, that's wrong. As we exchange it, we must by faith believe I've been made clean. And God wants us so much to be able to walk and live with a clean conscience, with, a, with no guilt, with no shame. Hallelujah. Unafraid. The, the righteous, the Bible says, are as bold as a lion. We can boldly approach the throne of grace because we've been forgiven. We've been set free. Now, in order to maintain uh, a good conscience, we need to exercise faith in this incredible gift that God's given us. But let me uh, read this for you. First Timothy chapter 1. I'll start at verse 3. It says this, As I urged you when I went to, into Macedonia, he's writing to Timothy, Remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which can cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience and from sincere faith, from which some having strayed have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. Paul talks so often about a good conscience, maintaining a good conscience. But it says in, um, if you can see that in Acts 24, actually, verse 16, Paul says this, so I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. Your conscience continues to work after you're born again, hallelujah, and it gets more tender and it gets much more sensitive. God wants us to maintain a tender conscience that we don't allow it to be seared by not listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying. We want to maintain a clear conscience. We want to maintain a tender conscience. James chapter 4 verse 17 says, Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Romans 14 verse 23 says, For whatever is not from faith is sin. So if you're born again, you've exchanged your sin for God's righteousness, you've been set free, you've been made clean, and you do something wrong, you're going to feel guilty. And that's not a bad thing. Because it's supposed to be your conscience reacting going, ah, that's not right. I don't want that. That's bad. Yuck. And then instead of living with it and going, oh, I'm terrible, oh, defining yourself by what you've done, as a believer, you can come to God and say, thank you, God, that the blood of Jesus has paid for this. I exchanged that. I acknowledge what I did was wrong. Sorry, here it is. Thank you, God, that you make me clean. And that's how you maintain a tender conscience. If you say, I'm righteous, I'm righteous, I'm righteous, you do something wrong and you go, I'm righteous, I'm righteous, I'm righteous. You are going to be in condemnation no matter how hard you try to convince yourself that you're righteous. You have a new identity. You are a born again in the image of Christ. But if you're doing something wrong, while your conscience is working, it will be convicting you that, hey, that was wrong. And when you recognize it, we've got to acknowledge it and go, yes, that's right. 
Thank you, God. I, I can maintain a clear conscience by acknowledging that is not my identity. That is wrong. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. You've set me free. To anyone who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. And whatever is not from faith is sin. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. You know, you can damage your conscience if you're not quick to recognize when something's going on. You know, I, I think it's so important to keep short accounts with God. I like to take communion and, um, you know, every time I do, I like to examine myself before I take it and say, is there anything going on that's violating my conscience? And the Holy Spirit will often help me just remember yeah, I've been worried about that and I haven't exchanged that. I haven't brought my care to the Lord and that is not of faith. So it's sin for me and that's why I'm feeling a bit icky. Oh, thank you for letting me see it, Jesus. I give you that worry. I cast that care. Sorry for holding on to it. Thank you, Lord, that your desire for me is to walk in life and peace. Thank you for freeing me. Hallelujah. From fear. Whatever it is, if you will take the time to allow yourself to recognize, is there anything that's bugging my conscience right now? You can go through, and it's just like an inbox that piles up and makes you feel bad. If you've ever had had a a work desk with an inbox, um, I think we mostly do it on the computer now. Somebody emails. But as you clear it out... You can feel better. In the same way, it's so important that the moment we recognize, ah, that's not right, we don't take it on as our identity. We don't take it on as condemnation. We recognize, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to bring the light in here and recognize that's not right. That's not me. Hallelujah. I exchange that in faith to maintain a pure conscience. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm just going to tell you like it is. Verse 8 of First Timothy here, chapter 1. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, hallelujah, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers. If there's anything, any other thing that's contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. What Paul's saying here is that, hey, the law was given so you recognize what's wrong. And nobody was able to measure up. That's why we needed Jesus to come and cleanse us. Hallelujah. To give us power over sin. So that's the good news of the gospel. Hallelujah. We're no longer under law, but we're under grace. In the same way, though, we, we have revelation knowledge now, though, of what is right and what is wrong. 
And we've got to be careful to maintain a tender conscience, recognizing what's right and what's wrong. Because without recognizing and acknowledging right from wrong, we can start to have a seared conscience. You know, if you, you know, let yourself, I look, I look at things. I found myself over the years thinking, you know, telling, telling kids, oh, that's a really good movie I watched 25 years ago. And then I'll watch it and go, oh, my goodness, that's terrible. There's so much swearing in it, or there's this, or there's that. And I realize that now my conscience is so much more tender than it was 25 years ago. Hallelujah. And that's a good thing. But if you don't come to the point where you go, hang on, that's not good. That's not holy. That's not pure. Uh, My desire, the spirit of God in me desires that which is pure and holy and lovely and of a good report. If I yield to the spirit of God within me, as I walk in the spirit, I don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Hallelujah. I maintain a tender conscience. And we've got to be careful also with one another to to help guard each other's hearts. Not to lead each other into sin. You know, don't don't invite one of your Christian friends along to see something that you know very well is going to violate their conscience. Listen, you know, I'm going to go a bit further. Girls, if you're with a fellow that wants to violate your conscience by leading you into some sort of sin, you've got to recognize that he doesn't love you more than he loves his own flesh. He's not protecting your heart and your conscience. And if you think that giving in to him is going to make him into somebody that's going to protect your heart and your conscience, you're deceiving yourself and setting yourself up for misery. You need to find somebody that, is, that loves you more than they love their own selves. Who loves you more than they want to uh, satisfy their own flesh. I want to tell you the truth. And you know, guys, just the same. If, you, if you're with somebody that, that is seducing you and leading you down a wrong path, you need to love them enough to say, nah, not going there and walk away. Because God's looking for us to be iron that sharpens iron. He's looking for us to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Hallelujah. He doesn't want us leading each other into into things that will cause our hearts and our, our consciences to be violated. You can read in scripture about all that, the deal with the food offered to idol and, and meat and drink and all of that sort of stuff. Boiled down, basically what Paul's saying is he's saying, be tender in your conscience and aware of your brothers and sisters and don't do anything that could violate their conscience. That's what loving each other looks like. Speaking the truth to one another in love is another way that we can really be careful not to violate our conscience. Don't just go along with the flow and just agree with somebody when you know full well that that's not okay. Because that's not loving them well. You can love them by by speaking the truth in love and maintaining 
your boundaries. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Now, a lot of people identify as Christian, but let me tell you, sometimes I think we use the word and we deceive ourselves with it. We must be followers of Christ. People who delight and desire to know him and to know his ways. To determine in my heart, I want to follow you. No, it's by grace we are saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Hallelujah. Hooray. But the reality is our daily walking is that we keep our eyes fixed on him. We choose. You have been set free and given freedom and power now to choose what is right, to turn from what is evil evil, and embrace what is good. Hallelujah. If you sin, there's no condemnation for you. There is an advocate there who is ready to say, hey, that's not your identity. Give me that. I want to ex you ex exchange it for a clean conscience. Hallelujah. And power to live different. This is the good news of the gospel. And we've got to be careful. The simplicity of the gospel is to, to love God and to follow him, loving others. Hallelujah. Uh, one of the Puritans put it like this. They said, the chief end of man is to love God and enjoy him forever. Yeah. Hallelujah. Our highest purpose. Yeah. You know, when you read the Bible, the desire of God for you is that you would continually walk in peace and joy. The kingdom of God is righteousness, which is being cleansed from a guilty conscience, having no fear, no shame, no guilt, no condemnation, absolute joy, absolute peace. And that's it. That's the will of God for you. To love God and then to love everybody else out of a place of having a pure heart, a clean heart, free from sin, free from fear, free from any nasty agendas because you've been given a new heart and the motives of Christ. Hallelujah. It's beautiful. It's clean. It's pure. And it's not something you have to strive for. It's something you receive as your identity and then you choose to live from. Hallelujah. And we've got to maintain this precious gift that we've been given, the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. No matter what happened yesterday, if you've given it to God, it's gone. It doesn't, it can't hurt you anymore because it has been separated from you as far as the east is from the west. When the enemy wants to come and remind you about it, you've got to go, eh, eh, eh. who are you talking to? It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I am clean by the blood of the Lamb. Faith pleases God. So God is actually pleased by me not remembering that anymore. I used to spend 90% of my prayer time actually apologizing for stuff I had done for the last 25 years. That's true. I'd go to pray and I'd be like, 
sorry for this and sorry for that and that and that. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm just sorry for me, you know. And I did. I spent 90% of my prayer time basically in condemnation because I didn't actually have faith to believe that God actually did forgive me. It was hard to believe that just like sorry could possibly be enough. It didn't feel right. Human understanding is like that doesn't seem quite fair that you could just like forgive it just like that. Like, ah, oh God, really, I should just agonize over that for the next 15 years. No. What that is is unbelief and it doesn't please God. It is false humility and false religion. God wants you free. And he wants you to treat one another as as though they're free. Here's a trick. You might hear someone's done something. Oh, they did this. And you're treating them and judging them as though they're somebody who's done this. And in the meantime, they've brought it to the Lord and gone, oh, that's terrible. Sorry, God, here it is. And being forgiven. And you are now calling what is clean unclean. You are judging someone in a way that God certainly is not judging them. And you don't know. You don't know that it's just happened right now. We need to be careful to be pure and clean and simple, believing the best. Hallelujah. Love believes the best, always hopes, always believes. Hallelujah. This is who you are. This is our identity and this is the way God thinks about us. But we're called to love one another as God loves us and as we love ourselves, right? If you don't love yourself enough to believe that you're forgiven, if you don't love yourself enough to identify yourself as righteous and clean and holy and pure, I feel sorry for the people that you're attempting to love. Because if they're going to get loved like you love yourself, they're going to get so nastily judged. When I was living in, in condemnation, I, you know, I feel sorry for any of my friends or my family. Yeah, I'd look at Tom. Now, Tom is a very different personality to me. He is so stable. He's just like, like this. We, we went to a, a, a leader's thing once and they said, draw a line of your life. And so my line is like this. Tom's line is like this. And so the guy that was facilitating it says, Tom, that, that can't be right. Surely. What about when you got married, when you had children? Tom went, oh, all right, well, just like. <laughs> It's just stable, praise God. It's good because it lets me be free to be however I need to be. <laughs> and because we're one, it really sort of evens it out into this nice, smooth line. <laughs> but, you know, I used to judge him while here's me, full of condemnation, judging myself to the hilt all the time. I would not only judge me, I'd judge him. I mean, like, how often does he pray? How, how, how long does he pray? I don't think he's praying very well. You know, just reading the Bible there, like, on the table. Where's his tears? Why isn't he on the, on the floor crying like me? <laughs> I 
God have mercy. And yet his character would be absolutely exceptional. And here's me. But I was on the floor in tears. Thank God for the mercy of Jesus. We need to be a people who actually start applying faith to our lives. Because as we deliberately begin to walk in faith, saying, God, I believe, I've forgiven. I believe that when I've done something, I can bring it to you and recognize, thank you, God. This is an opportunity for my conscience actually to be sharpened as I acknowledge that's wrong. I'm so sorry. Thank you that you give me power to be different. Thank you, Lord, that you give me wisdom to have strategies not to make that mistake again. Thank you for revelation. Thank you, Lord, that you're with me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that I can walk with you and talk with you. Hallelujah. And then as you love yourself, you can love everybody else. We'll finish with this. Um, Oh, there's two more good ones. You want to hear two more good scriptures? First Thessalonians chapter four, verse nine. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed you do so toward all your brethren who are all in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more that you also aspire to live a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside, and that you may lack nothing. It's just wisdom, just the wisdom of God. He's saying, hey, this is how you can please me. Just live with a pure heart, a clean conscience. Uh, increase more and more in your love for people. Aspire to lead a quiet life and mind your own business. Stop trying to judge everybody else and fix everybody else. Hallelujah. Just love them and aspire to love them more. Make it your aim. Work with your own hands that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. Pretty basic. You work, you don't lack stuff. It's good. If you need a job, you pray, you ask God, you seek it, and, you, and you, you find a way. Sometimes we put secular work down as well. You know, that's not very holy. Yet we're called to do everything, whatever we do, all to the glory of God. And God likes it. He actually calls it a good life. Hallelujah. First Timothy chapter 2. Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. That's a good thing. If your prayer life is all about you all the time and your aspirations and your ambitions, then maybe you need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you enter into a place of peace and joy and a revelation of who you are so that you can actually start to pray for the things that are on his heart, that you can pray for other people, that you can actually sincerely Pray and give thanks and pray for people. This is something that gives pleasure to God and it's a commandment of God. This is what Christian life looks like. 
Sometimes in this incredible message of identity that is so important, we could forget that he's not talking about wanting you to enter into a narcissistic mindset that's all about you and your career. But recognize, I've been set free from me. Hooray! I've been set free from me. So I can love God and I can love you and I can walk in peace and joy. Hallelujah. I can do everything I do to the glory of God. And I can expect him to do more and more. Hallelujah. That his name would be lifted up and glorified. Hallelujah. I can live a life that gives him glory. I exhort, first of all, that all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. When was the last time you gave thanks for people? God, this is, this is good stuff. For kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Sometimes I think we can forget what it's actually all about. The kingdom of God is about loving him, glorifying him, enjoying him, reconciling people to him, recognizing that you've been joined with him and that our, our life, this incredible gift that we've been given, has been given so that you get to represent him. You get to be the light of the world, ministering out of the place of peace and joy and magnificent love that people might be drawn to him. That you would be as he is in the earth. You wouldn't be living a life full of worry and stress and concern and worrying about what's going to happen and who's, how's this going to happen. And, but instead entering into a joy that says, I've been made free. I'm clean. I'm pure. I'm holy. I'm loved. Now I get to tell everybody else around me about the love of God. I get to release the power of God and see people loved. Hallelujah. This is the kingdom of God. And the heart of the Father is that we would recognize that in everything we do, we're to glorify him. We're to enjoy him. If you're waiting for something to happen to be happy, I've got news for you. Once you get that thing, there'll be something else that you want. And you'll never, ever be happy if you're pinning your happiness on your next breakthrough. God wants you now, right now, to walk in righteousness, peace, and joy. Right now, to enter into freedom and delight. No condemnation, no fear, no guilt, no shame. Maintaining a tender conscience by exercising the power he's given you to make choices that reject evil and embrace good. Hallelujah. His heart desire is for you and I to live and enjoy him. So, Father, right now, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word. Teach us your ways, Lord. Show us your paths. Guide us in the way everlasting. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for your grace, Lord. We come to worship you.